What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Mind Your Hives Beekeeping. I'm your host, Greg Lehman. I'm here with my lovely wife, Kara Jo. What up, Kara Jo? Hello, hello. I really dig our opening music. It's, <laughs> it just came with it, and I just really like it. <laughs> uh, so this is episode 18. What is it? It is October 1st? 1st October 2nd. 2nd yeah. Uh, 2022. And... Um, Man, it's just like a rainy fall It's the perfect day. day to be inside. I heard a funny, I don't know, meme. I saw a meme, heard a funny analogy. Somebody said this, but uh, Pennsylvania weather went from 90 to 55 like it saw a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's pretty, good. It's pretty good, but it's true, right? Like all of a sudden it just went it's from so hot cold. to just like chilly. And it's, I mean, it's great. Um, but it's affecting like the plants are not giving off as much as they would have and yeah we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute but um I, like what are we doing right now so th- today's been interesting it's we're a good just, like, soap making day yeah it's like arts and crafts day <laughs> <laughs> is that what you want to call it it feels i mean yeah kind of you know carriage skincare it's production I day quite call it crafts a little bit more than that but yeah you're making some cool new stuff yeah, I'm trying this loofah soap. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Oh, I didn't tell oh. you I have a cocktail. Sorry, keep talking. Um, we grew loofahs. Um, it's been successful, but I don't think I understand the loofah plant. So so loofah plant is um, what? It's like it's a, a squash. Yeah, it's a gourd. squash. Yeah, a lot of people think they're like sea sponges, but they're not. And I had like really yellow leaves and... <sighs> just like it was taking a really long time for the female to flower um, to open up. And so I talked to my friend over at Everwild and he gave me some fertilizer and shout like, out Tim. What's up? And it kind of like, it never really seemed to get better. And then all of a sudden end of season, it's booming loofah. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, like you picked two loofah. Well, I harvested. No, they, no, no. They got overwatered. I think, but I don't really yeah. know. So it. Just like beekeeping year one, growing the loofah, learning some stuff, having some successes, and not really sure what's going on, and try again next year and try to figure it out. But I'd never, I mean, I've never used a loofah. I was joking about it. Like, my understanding of loofah is Ben Stiller in Along Came Polly when he, like, clogs a toilet with a loofah or something. But I've never used one. I don't know what to expect. Um, but I dig the fact that you're like cutting them and putting them in a soap. Yeah, I'm trying to do that. Because I'm all about the scrub factor. You love scrubbies. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So trying that and then I'm we... making a batch of cinnamon and honey soap. Yeah. It's nice a fall soap. And then we are rendering propolis right now. So so fall harvest is done. And to be perfectly honest with y'all, we didn't really get a fall harvest this year. Um, I mean, July and August were just... Drought. drought in our area so the bees just weren't able to build up stores enough where then they would have excess coming into coming into you know goldenrod and, and fall flow of any sorts there was a ton of pollen coming in a ton of nectar coming in but just not nearly enough that we felt comfortable where we're going to take that from the bees we got a little bit but yeah we had a couple a we had a couple like real boomtown hives that we set up to and knew we were going to get it but like I mean, this is our first full season in this on this new farm, so we weren't sure exactly what we were going to get to begin with. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really a fall harvest. However, even the other hive and the other apiary didn't. We didn't get a fall. Yeah, bit. July and August were, were just crazy, but we did hit our goal, which is pretty yes. rad. That just makes me really excited. You know, set like a reasonable expectation growth goal and the amount of honey we would get and the amount of sales we would do, and we've achieved that, which just like. I don't know. I was like kind of giddy the other night when I was running all the numbers and we actually hit it by like barely. We barely went over. We went over by, I don't know, less than 100 pounds, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that was exciting. You were uh, so happy. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. I was we, we I think I mentioned this in previous episodes, but um, oh, wait, Kara, cheers. I poured you a cocktail. Yeah, what is this? I don't know the name of this, but it's um, it's equal parts. It's delicious is what it is. It's equal parts mezcal. Um, Aperol, uh, which is like a light kind of Amaro, um, lime and honey, simple syrup. So we have that B-side podcast episode, um, about cocktails. Yeah. With mixologist Mike Landers. Go back and check that out. That's so good. And then if the loofah conversation was interesting to you, we have the regenerative farm B-side with the farmer at that one farm. Um, 
So I was saying, so the goldenrod smell, it was totally there. They were bringing in a ton of goldenrod. And then we had a, a couple just like really chilly nights and almost just stopped on a dime. You could see them still working goldenrod. You could, you, but you couldn't smell it at all in the apiary. Mm. And what we've come to learn about plants is that when they hit a, a, a cold night, um, they kind of go into this shock mode and they hold on to their nectar and they hold on to their their own resources. It's like their a own dormancy. Pollen. Yeah. So although the bees are 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 still working it like crazy, they're really not getting anything. And that's when we knew like it's it's over. And and as soon as that happened too, I mean you got to think about what's happening with the bees, right? So you got all these foragers. They're kind of in this crazy forage mode right now, where like they need to fill the the attic with stores so they can you know survive the winter. They do seem a little antsy. Yeah, I mean they're really just trying to. They're they're not aggressive, but they're very active, active and inquisitive because the resources aren't there. So they're flying around a little bit, like what the hell? I'm not getting anything. Um, But but so they're visiting all these flowers. They're not getting the nectar that they'd expect to get. Then they're coming back to the hive, and guess what? They've used all this energy, and they've used more energy than than the resources they've been able to bring back. So then now we immediately started seeing them. Any extra, um, any stores that were, if we had a super on, they started either eating the stores or they started moving those stores down into, uh, you know, the main brood chamber, so to speak, the, you know, bottom two or three boxes. But it was literally like snap of the finger, all of a sudden, they were like, nope, this is extra. I'm taking it. We're moving it downstairs. And, you know, it's like, all right, cool. Uh, we're, I'm, uh, we have some extra supers on. I took them off. Um, but if you don't get that in time, you're screwed. Oh, yeah. Or, or whatever. They, they're taking it and they're moving it down below anyway. They, good. I'm glad. Um, but a lot, of it was, a lot of it was uncapped. And in previous episodes, we've talked about, you know, making sure your honey is honey and that it's not nectar and that it's hitting that 18% or below um, moisture content. Moisture content. Yeah, exactly. So busted out the refractometer, checked it. Boom, 17%. Um, You know, this is interesting. I see people all the time and they're like, my honey this year, just all of it was 21% moisture, but it's honey. It's capped. It's 21%. It's like, yo dog. It got moisture in the container, right? (laughs) Nope. Oh, you need to dial in your refractometer. You need to oh, calibrate. calibrate it. How yeah. do you do that? Um, so or on Google image. I mean, yeah, Google. just Google it. You can use. You need to make sure you're using pure extra virgin olive oil, which just like honey, harder than you think to find. You think you've got real honey, yeah, but it's I hear like that. imported China. You know, whatever those kind of, uh, Brazil bullshit corn syrup honey. Hmm. Uh, so olive oil is tough, but um, and you can use distilled water to do it so so um i calibrated I, it's funny i was getting a little bit of a high reading on what i knew was honey recalibrated sure enough it was like three points high so most of the time when i see somebody being like it's consistently high this year I, the, the the moisture contact can be over 18 percent. it's like nah man your your instruments are jacked yeah user error um and people you know just like we're humans we're dumb we don't calibrate something you know when i'm checking ph for water for plants like I need to recalibrate that every month or so to, to make sure it's accurate or else, you know, it's like blind leading the blind. Yeah, that seems like a silly, like somebody just being like, oh, this is what it is. Okay, I'm not even going to think about it anymore. I'm just going to say it's 22% this year. And like thinking <laughs> that's kind of silly. Yeah, especially when they're like, all of it's the same. Yeah. It's all of it higher this year. Like, dude, come on, think, think a, a little, little bit more. Yeah, think a little deeper. Um, We had a really, I think we had a really successful year with our queen genetics and you know how far we've come we had such we hit this bump in the road last year that didn't allow us to do everything we wanted so we had a nice like bounce back this year where we were able to split hives from the genetics that we love and grow them and i mean you don't know until next year we're not going to know till spring but seeing the mite counts that we hit this year we only have treated to date about half of our hives that's awesome. Um, we th- we set a threshold on mites, and we said if it's over this threshold, we're gonna treat. Um, a lot of people go with just literally three three mites in a three hundred sample, so one percent. Uh, we set ours at six mites, uh, so giving them a little bit more room to handle business themselves. 
And uh, and like I said, about half of them to date, we've tested July, August, and September. Half of them went over. We we treated those with Formic. Um, and I think I've I've gone into all but maybe three. So I think I have a t- about 10% of our hives left to check. Um, but all the queens made it through Formic. They didn't supersede, knock on wood. That's because temperatures were way better this yeah, year. Yeah, it's a little more consistent. Yeah. Um, and and our we had a lot of newer queens. So, you know, typically with Formic treatment, Formic Pro, you're going to see superseding happening, excuse me, superseding happening when it's an older queen. Uh, maybe her pheromones aren't as strong in the hive. You get all this, all these other scents in there and it messes them up a little bit. And it's, you know, it's like living in a, you know, it's like when they tent houses to do roach control or something, right? Like you're fumigating it. Yeah. Yes, it's an organic treatment. It's based in like, Thymol, I think. Something like that. Which is like literally compound in, th- in th- the herb thyme. Um, but you're still creating a, a little bit of a harsh environment that they're not psyched to be in. And you can see some superseding happening. Well, it hasn't happened, knock on wood. It maybe happened on one of the volunteer hives that you're working. Do you think that's what caused it? She or just- wasn't new, but she was a bad queen. She, I, tried to, I tried to supersede her. Yeah. And it just didn't happen well the um, hive, hive knows best because that hive tried to supersede themselves and what's so Kara tweaked her back a little bit so i was going and helping her lift boxes so we checked out these hives together um and i think it was i don't know how long maybe three weeks ago went and checked and didn't see any sign of the queen yeah did see some maybe supersedure cells chewed they were like getting cleaned up so i was like huh that looks yeah. like something and then i put eggs in put a frame nothing. from the next door hive that had fresh eggs put it in waited like three or four days yeah and checked it to see if they were building a queen with that they, they weren't they did not so we were like maybe there's a virgin maybe she's you know did so to see if she got mated and that all went well, we put in another frame. So we did the second. So think about it, right? So you have a, a, a virgin queen emerges they that they're purposely trying to supersede. Maybe they've already killed the queen. Maybe the queen died. Whatever happened. But new virgin emerges. Um, and then she's got to go on her mating flight. So if you put a frame of fresh eggs in that hive when there's a virgin there, they're not going to make a new queen. They're like, yeah, we got a queen. She just, got, she just, she just has to get mated. We're all good here. Thanks for the boost and brood, but you know we don't need to any eggs for the queen. Then something happens on her mating flight; she doesn't come back. So you know, like Kara said, four or five days later, we went back, gave them another frame of fresh eggs, and sure enough, they were making cells. They started making cells. So, um, so this is a this whole situation with this queen. She was acting weird. She wasn't laying right. I just didn't like her. She was a swarm caught from somebody we know's apiary um and this queen did survive last year but uh we've talked about what i consider what we consider over treating no she her mom survived this was a new queen right 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 yes her her genetic line her yeah, mom we survived split the yeah, hive yeah, yeah. Um, um, but they were it was the type of beekeeper that just treats 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 right. treats they had tw- 10 mites in the middle of summer so when, i did formic on them when nobody else yeah, had nobody. mites they have so it was clear that they weren't controlling mites themselves right they were very reliant on a beekeeper to do it for them and so she i didn't really that's not our science that's not our yeah. style so um yeah i well i cl- i caged her and um we were going to use one of our from our queen program one of our um, virgins, but then when I went to make the, um, when I went to make the merge or let the virgin Transition, in, yeah, 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 and kill the queen, the virgin was dead. So then I had to re-release the queen, and then they, I think they killed her and they superseded her. Um, so when I went in, I was like, shoot, this high. shoot. I was going to say sh- so many things, and then shucks. shoot came out, and I was like, that sounded stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's not laughter. <laughs> you use it as the laughter button, but it's laugh not. Ball. Yeah. I don't know. Applause and laughter. Yeah, but you head. make this laughing face when it happens. Well, we're no not one on YouTube, all right? There's no face. <laughs> we're just floating voices. I'm like, are they laughing? And I'm not hearing it. I'm like, no, it's applause. <laughs> it's like three people in the audience laughing. Not oh, applause, man. I can tell. So, um, yeah, so I let her go. They superseded her. 
Oh, so I'm like, there's no brood. There's not cat brood. There's not eggs. There's no brood in this hive. There's no queen. To me, there doesn't seem like a lot of stores. I come home. I'm like, Greg, telling him about it. I'm like, I don't know. Their population was pretty good, though. Pretty good population. Yeah. I mean, we, so, we haven't taken much honey off of them. They've got a ton of stores. Yeah. So I'm, I come home. I'm like, this hive isn't in good shape, like bummed about it. I throw my back out. Greg... Well, I made dumb decisions beekeeping and I tried to carry too many boxes and I was being lazy and dumb. We, we all need to do like a little stretching before we go into hives and even, know our limits. Yeah. I was just being, it was laziness. Yeah. It's dumb. Anyway, then I couldn't lift boxes. So Greg came and did it and he was like, oh, this hive looks good. And I was like, wait, what? And it made me really, it was such a good moment because for all of these years, I've helped you get, you know, bees ready for overwintering but I'm again not observing as closely because I'm in there but I'm not the one thinking it through I'm just like the sous chef and doing whatever and like we're talking about things but and then I realized I've never really on my own observed a hive going into winter and know like what are the things I should look for in doing that so I don't see I don't have the answer of like what is the thing to look for it's so much pattern recognition right. and seeing hives that are different right? and seeing hives that the po- you can go like the population on the po- this hive is low because all these other ones we just checked out were all about the same and like the weight of the boxes. Okay. Are all the, and you know, how sometimes you like go to take a box off and the whole hive shifts on the stand and you're like, whoa, that shifted yeah, real like, easily. This isn't good. This is light. Yeah. You know, it's like little things like that, but it's, I mean, you know what you're great at, and and shout out to our state inspector, Jeff Eckel, who's just hammered a lot of this into your and my brain, is you're great at spotting parasitic mite syndrome, signs of mite, signs of disease. You look that little bit more deeply, and that's one of the biggest things to look for. I'm pulling brood, and I'm only going to check two or three frames of brood when I'm doing these quick pre-winter checks, and I'm seeing if you see those signs. You're feeling the weight of the bees. You're looking at the actual bees, and you really can see these fatter bees. Yeah, you really can. And that's a that's a comparison thing for sure. Yeah, right. I can't describe to you. And every bee, every kind of bee, different sizes already. Right. But just there's a way of going like, these bees are look, and you'll you'll show me a frame every once in a while. Be like, look how big these bees are. And you know what's interesting? Even when you go in a hive and you see some fat bees, and they're not all fat bees. Exactly. That's a really you're like, wow, these ones are these look bigger. Yeah, temperament, temperament this time of year is a very very telling sign. Uh, most of the hives, again, they're active, they're inquisitive, they're like, yo, we need food. What's going on? We're like in in kind of desperation mode here. Um, but they're not like aggressive, but you hear a lot of, oh dude, this is, oh, this is so bad. God, this is so, why do I put myself through trying to help people online? I don't know. I don't know why you do that. I, so somebody uh, posts this question. They're like, my bees are so angry that they're, they, I've been stung through my suit five times and, uh, blah, 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 blah. And somebody replies with, well, are you feeding them syrup? Uh, if you're feeding your bees syrup right now, they're going to be malnourished and they're going to be angry. You should, nobody should ever feed syrup to their bees. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So I've never once heard about f- bees that are being fed sugar being in any way, shape, or form angry. And we've read about the sugar big, thing too. Here's the deal. Winter bees need sucrose, right? Sucrose. Sugar. Like the compound in sugar is sucrose. They need that. However, they're getting it. They're just getting they're getting the sucrose out of it. So it's or like just, the carbohydrate. Exactly. They just need to store those carbohydrates. And they need to have those at the ready. They don't need the pollen. They that that's all being stored in fat bodies, and all that's going down. Literally in the winter, they just need that sucrose in order to be able to vibrate their bodies and create heat. And they are using energy, so they need to replace it with carbohydrates. Carbohydrates is energy. You know what I mean? And this person is trying to say like, so I, so I'm like, I'm like, hey, um, 
I'm like, there's actually all these studies that showed have sh- has shown that it's actually takes less energy for uh, honeybees to process syrup honey sunny sugar syrup sugar sugar honey you know yeah na- uh, syrup turned into it's capped it's the moisture rate gets lowered all that stuff we but call it sunny it's yeah it's not honey we call it sunny but they actually it's less energy for them because it's just pure sucrose it's less energy for them to break it down in the winter time um uses less energy and it's good now going into winter and going and you got to get those bees have to have so much uh, variety we talked about this last episode ton of pollen they need to have a ton of nutrients in order to fill those fat bodies with these good nutrients but in the actual winter they just need that sucrose um and the person <laughs> they responded with every study is flawed i don't believe in studies i think whoever's making doing the study is just trying to push a narrative and uh, therefore, you can't trust studies. I don't believe it. Bees are being malnourished if it's not a natural. Uh, they're not being feeding a natural substance. It's like, yo, dog, sucrose is a natural substance. I don't know what to tell you. You don't understand what sugar is. I mean, listen, I think there's two things. One, that's bizarre. Like, look at credibility. Yeah. People started people. mocking this person. I, as soon as I saw crazy, crazy hat McGee put his tinfoil hat on and go his little. I bet you that guy's. Um What's it called? Storm the Capitol? No, um, uh, bar- not barometer. Refractometer is set at 22. <laughs> Guarantee it. Let's like, check it. I don't trust olive oil to tell me my. I know my moisture content. I mean, we know that honey has... Look, I don't even think honey has that much nutritional... I don't even think it's called a nutritional food like in science because it has such small amounts of like whatever. But we know that honey is more nutritious than sugar syrup exactly nobody's saying that um but and but like what yeah it's just making blanket statements that are weird so what we do and uh i think this is a great move that everybody should do is we make sure that any hives that are lightweight going into winter or just going into winter period we top them off we'll give them a gallon of syrup to see how quickly they take it down and we're doing two to one syrup. So it's, you know, I do 10 pound batches. It's so easy to do 10 cups of water, 10 pound sugar. Um, that makes two to one, two parts sugar to one part water. Um, we'll give it to all the hives to top them off, make sure they have it. So we, we're li- we literally start feeding like right now in October, very beginning of October. Um, we let like always we say we let them have what they need, what they're storing in their bottom three brood chain brood boxes. That's all for them. We're never going to take it, uh, but we top every bit off just to make sure that they have enough food. Oh, snap. Kara's pouring a reference beer. This beer is really special, actually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what are we doing right now? We are we knocked. God, that sounds great. Can you hear it? Uh, yeah, it's little fizzy fizzies. <laughs> um, Hope you got some. <laughs> so we've knocked all of our hives. Again, I say this almost every episode. We use medium boxes, eight and 10 frame mediums. So we've knocked all of our hives down to three boxes. Um, most of those hives already have filled the third box. The third box is already not being used for brood and mostly ha- is stores. So they're only doing brood in the bottom two boxes right now. Um, and hives that I saw that weren't doing that, you know, like, hey, they're going to be a little lighter. And then boxes that I'm pulling frames in the third box, and I'm like, these are all nectar and capped honey frames. Like, they're in a great place. But we're still going to top them off just to make sure they have enough. Uh, I honestly wish they had syrup on them right now. I know. I thought that Three this straight rainy days is like the perfect time. They're not bringing anything in. They're only eating. You know, they'll probably eat it before they store it if, if they need to. But, oh, man, I was so annoyed I didn't throw... I knew you would be too before yeah. we even talked about it. Um, this is good beer. I like this. Oh, so here, I wanted to read something about this beer. So Referend, beautiful people. Um, they had a brewery in South Jersey. I think, I don't know. No, more like, cent, not, whatever. Jersey. Not Central, but not South. Whatever. <laughs> we'll call it Philadelphia, New Jersey. Um, and they recently moved to a, they bought a, a spot that used to be a vineyard in Kutztown, Pennsylvania. And they have a vineyard there. They're growing all this stuff. They're 
they're battling. It's going to take them, I think, three plus years to change the soil composition because the previous folks were using a lot of um, pesticides and herbicides that uh, the folks at Referent aren't overly into, and they want to really have it be biodynamic and organic. So it's going to take years of them, you know, working the soil to to get all that shit out of it. Yeah, I love, but I just love what they're doing. Um, but this is a barrel aged. Well, it's a spontaneously fermented ale aged in oak barrels with cherries. It's called uh, called A Ghost is Born. And I knew we were going to drink this today, but I hadn't read anything on it. Um, Referend always puts a poem on all their beers. So this is a poem by Wallace Stevens. And I think it's very, uh, I think it just lines up perfectly with what we're talking about with the fall harvest and everything. So it says, like a dull scholar, I behold in love an ancient aspect touching a new mind. It comes, it blooms, it bears its fruit and dies. This trivial trope reveals a way of truth. Our bloom is gone. We are the fruit thereof. Ooh. Wallace Stevens. I didn't realize there were poems on all of their bottles. How good is that? Yeah, I love that. So good. I hope you guys took something out of that because that just, I love, that was a great poem. Great choice by them. And this is a rad, really cool beer. And we might be actually setting up a little apiary at the referend. Yeah, a couple highs next up there. year. So they're surrounded by a lot of farmland. I don't know exactly what's going on with those farms, but they're doing a really beautiful thing. And I think it'd be pretty cool. And they're, it's like reasonably close to us where I think we can throw some hives up on the top of their hill and go up every once in a couple, yeah, couple weeks just, they they're using our honey now they they we brought them honey last time we visited shout out thank you for buying honey from us we really appreciated that um so i'm excited to see what they do with it but i think it'd be so cool to like their fruit our honey all on the property and and just ah yeah it makes me excited um what else like when you're looking at these hives going into winter I mean, I don't know. I just I have a you, feel yeah. for it. I, you just see so many hives and you can see the differences. But like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah, I get it. Because when I was making soap today, I was even just blending the soap, waiting for it to get tr- to trace, which is like a certain thickness. And I just knew it was about to get there because I could just tell. Yeah, so Kara's like, I can see it. You, she's like, notice how it's a little slick here. And when I stir it, it does this. And I'm like... I, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, but like, you don't really know, and that's the not thing. so black you're, and white. You do it over and over, and you pay attention, you observe, and you notice, and it's pattern recognition. So I it's, think that's it's, a good point. I'd say it all the time. Beekeeping is so not black and white, but so many things in our life, soap making is so not black and white. Just Kara is this alchemist with her products when she's making them, and she just knows the feel of things. Dough making dough so not black and white but a a good baker just as soon as they're you know they might need something for 10 minutes and then all of a sudden 30 seconds later like boom there it is i just thought of something yeah so dough and i saw like a light bulb above your head that was crazy yeah i saw uh i mean (laughs) dough and baking bread is don't make me start singing (laughs) Um, time and temperatures are ingredients in making bread. Time and temperature is ingredients in making soap and certain skin cares. And time and temperature can kind of be part of beekeeping. I mean, time and temperature is very much a part of nature. Yeah. F- plants. Yeah. F- flowers. I, yeah, huge time. Like we already talked about. I mean, just with all of a sudden we had a low night. It's late in the season. You get a, a low temperature at night and all these beautiful blooms are not putting out nectar or pollen. Yeah. So uh, just another, that kind of shifted things when I was baking bread, like, oh, time and temperature, you know? So if you could think about that with bees. Too. Yeah, big time. Um, okay, wait, we were talking about the CSC volunteer hives and we merged in a queen. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about merging a uh, last episode or so, but like, I think this is always worth mentioning um, we really stepped up our game this year because we had we start we started using these queen castles, mm-hmm. and we were able to just take two two or three frames with uh, you know eggs on them, or take a virgin queen and put them in a queen castle, and get a mated queen out of it. Um, oh, oh man, man. Kima just 
jumped on top of our old man Boston Terrier. <laughs> she was just trying to play, I think. Uh, and see, yeah, like, these dogs, down. these dogs are pent up. They need to, they need to be free like these bees right now in this rain. But um, what was I saying? I don't remember. Um, merging queens oh, yeah, in yeah. the queen castle. So we, we really the one of the biggest differences this year is we had these queen castles. And we had such good luck, luck opportunity meeting preparation. Don't forget it. We had really great luck um, getting these queens. So uh, towards the end of the season, it was like early to mid-ish October. And I went, you know what? I'm going to get three. I'm going to do three more queens right now. Okay. It was actually mid-August, not October. I misspoke there. Mid-August, I created these nukes. Thank God you Just did. Just in case we need them. And, and we they grew out of the queen castle pretty quickly. We put them in nuke boxes. So we had these three five-frame which then turned into 10 frames, turned when, into 15 frames. When did you do that? When was I think it was that? like August 9th. Okay. I started the process. Okay. It was like August 20, very end of August is when we actually got mated queens. And then we've built the boxes up. So um, I'm curious if they get to the point, I'll know in like a week or so, if I think that we can try to overwinter them in nuke boxes or whether I think we should merge them or see what we, anyway, we'll get to that later. But um, the biggest thing, but you got to figure out how to merge these queens. And the way we found that worked by far the best is, you know, you got a hive. It doesn't have a queen. It hasn't had a queen for a few days. So the, you know, that queen pheromone's gone pretty much. Um, and we do a mer newspaper merge. So I would take, you know, five or 10 frames from that resource nuke with the queen in it. I would put a layer of newspaper on the top of the frames on the top box of the hive that we're looking to merge them into. Then we put the queen with hers in there. You make sure you got to put two, three slits in the paper. Very, very big part of it. You need to do that. Put slits in the newspaper. Just I, I do like a left side, middle and right side. Just, you know, maybe a six, eight inch slit. Um, just down the seams of the frame. Just, yep. Right in the middle of the frames. Um, and that allows for a slow transition of bees, which allows for the pheromone to spread easier if you don't do the slits More quickly then it's a once the paper's broken it's like a mad rush but the it's not a slow drip of pheromone like it is when you do the slits do the slits um and then you put the bees up there you make sure they have enough food you know because they're gonna those girls are gonna be trapped yeah, in that top box for out. a few days um and then we come back in a week and literally 100 percent rate this year of doing it that way you better knock on some wood because um, we need a queen in yeah, that hive. big time knock on wood there but newspaper method worked wonderful um you know what else about those hives is they are the one is in a lot of shade and the other one's kind of in shade and the other one was weak the shaded hive most hive beetles we've ever had in any hive ever and they handled it they were handling it really well and then it was just getting so much i put in we tried for the first time uh, beetle traps. So, with, like, I think they are they called like beetle blaster traps. They're I those think little they are plastic bleeder, traps. Beetle that blasters. The, always before we would put um, like mineral, mineral oil, oil or, or vegetable oil, some type of oil in where the mites go in, they get stuck in the oil. But this year we did diatomaceous earth, and you got to make sure that there's no DE anywhere on the outside because it'll hurt the bees. It'll like give them cuts all over. Death, it, death by a thousand cuts. Dude, did you really see the trap worked. outside? I did. And Greg brought one home the other day and there's full of dead so many. And I did as like I went in, I didn't really see a difference. And then I didn't and then I went in again. And they, there was a difference. Yeah, there was a big difference. Um, so I like that. And DEs, like we use it for the chicken, so we already have it. It's cheap, it's easy. My buddy Mike told me that there is grades of diatomaceous earth and yeah, it needs to be a certain grade. Fine, fine, uh, fineness to work on small hive beetles. Whatever we got works. We usually get food grade. Cause like, is it food? Is that, uh, I, think, I think it is. Um, I can look it up. But yeah, that was that was interesting. I I'm not for whatever reason I always was hated the oil in the beetle traps, and I well because it spills out, it's messy, it's annoying. And dude, there was and never it, that many. Dead. No, this is the most we've ever yeah. had. Um, we did get Swiffer pads, but Amazon we ordered them from, and they took like three weeks to get here after it said it was going to be here in two days. So we we didn't put them in. And the Swiffer pads, it takes a little they bit because the bees, the bees have to, have to yeah. So yeah. you can't just put it in and expect it to work right away. Small hive beetles is something that we're watching become a problem. It's spreading. It's been a, an issue down south, Florida, Georgia. You know, wet, humid, hot. 
Um, it's been an issue down there for anybody, especially with bees in the shade. And we've watched it move north where more and more people every year are saying small hive beetles, small hive beetles. Uh, you know, a, a, a healthy hive without a lot of empty space, you don't have the issue. But a healthy hive with not a lot of extra space, you risk swarming. So, you know, you got to, there's a, there's two sides to it. So, and a, and you know, shade makes it worse. And this one hive is always in the shade. I don't think I saw, I think I saw one small hive beetle in the entire apiary here. But these hives are super dry in the ton of sun. So much. Our sun. hives on the old farm, very shaded next to a creek. And we would have just a ton of issues there. But, um, oh, dude, you know what I just thought about? What's that? Um, call back to uh, that episode that was the B side with re- regenerative, our last episode, I think it was regenerative farming with, with Thom. Yeah. Uh, B side. Yeah, food. Uh, but dude, remember on that episode when I wish I had it queued up, I could press play and we could play his little thing. But Maybe remember when we were talking about buckwheat? Yeah. And we were like, he was like, yeah, a few years ago when we took over the farm, we, we laid a bunch of buckwheat as a cover crop to help regenerate the soil. And we're like, no way. We're we like, thought we, we thought, had buckwheat. Oh my God. We thought we got telling buckwheat. telling us this right now. We thought we got buckwheat honey and people <laughs> said we were crazy, but it was you. You yeah. planted. He's like, we planted so much. We had fields of it. it was I like, think he, said, he said it made him cry. It was vibrating. Seeing the bees. Yeah. He was like, it was like, so those beautiful. Were our bees. That was such a cool thing that we yeah. did not expect to happen. So. Um. Okay. Oh, I, so, okay. Small hive beetles. Oh, yeah, diatomaceous earth, yeah. food grade. It is food grade. Food grade. Yeah. So that's food grade has something to do with maybe the, the fineness of it? Maybe. I mean, it doesn't mention any type of fineness. I can keep looking. Yeah. Whatever. Food grade for now. It worked for us. So whatever the food grade one is, it worked. Um. All right. So some things that I, I want to let people know... Uh, when you're prepping here for winter, you know, we mentioned on the last prepping episode before the, the last B side, we talked about how I will, we will take um, a super that isn't fully capped out or it's more nectar than honey, or we just want to feed it back to the bees. And if we to take that super and you put it above the inner cover, the, the honey bees will go up, they'll take it and they'll bring it back down into the, into the house. Basically you're creating this other attic and they're like, no, 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 we, we're not using the attic. We're, we're storing in the bottom floors of the house. And they'll take everything and move it down. Um, not the best thing to do, though, if you do have small hive beetles. Small hive beetles want spaces to hide. They want to be away from the bees. So if you're putting a box on top of your hive, but it's above the inner cover, that means it's not really a part of the hive. So you'll definitely be harboring more small hive beetles by doing that. So... Um, if you're in a wet, shady location, you have a bunch of small hive beetles, it's probably best not to do that type of feeding. Um, take those boxes. You can put them maybe 50, 100 yards away from the hive. Somewhere the bees will clean it out during the day. In one day, it'll they'll clean them all entirely out. And you know what? When you take them away from the hive quite a bit, there's a lot of bees on those boxes, but there's not fighting going on. I found no dead bees around. Yeah, if you put them too close to the hives, oh, lots you cause of dead hell. bees. Yeah, yeah. So many dead bees, big problem. So I was 100 yards is the move, really. I think 50 yards or more, definitely. But 100 would be great to do if you have that ability. Um, you know, small hive beetles, places to hide. Tighten up those boxes. And then this is the time of year, too, where they're going in the ground. Um, the hive beetles. The hive beetles. They, yeah, they, they overwintered, you know, 40 50 plus inches below ground um so they're trying to leave the hive anyway but don't give them somewhere to eat and hide and you know get their stores up for winter either because they want to eat the pollen that's what they're eating and that's and i think they lay their eggs in the pollen or near the pollen because the larva eats it and then yeah and then that larva kind of squishes around eating a bunch of stuff and then they fall into the ground dig down emerges from the ground small hive beetle comes up blah 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 boo small hive beetles suck (laughs) um what are we doing right now to-do list style that we need to get done so that's all you man yeah so like i just we doubled the size of our apiary this year right so you know i had all the shims i needed and i had all the inner covers i needed for feeding and everything last year i don't necessarily have it this year so you know i've been i did a heavy inventory of what i needed um and really i just right now i need to i need to build some shims um the way for fondant 
Yeah. So the way we overwinter our hives is, you know, we've got the three medium boxes. I will put a sugar patty or this year we, it was just easy. Shout out to our buddy, Robert, who did a bulk buy of fondant. So we're just going to take a maybe five, 10 pound, five pound chunk, probably um, of fondant. We'll put it on top of directly on top of the frames. Um, and then we'll have a shim that has screening on it, like actual flexible screen that would go on your door. Um, when you put the screen on, it actually allows for it to sit on top of the fondant. Um, and then we'll put pine shavings above that. Or actually this year we're going to do um, just some thicker insulation and just give it like a thicker insulation on top. Um, because we're in an area now that I mentioned doesn't have a lot of extra moisture. Yeah, this will be interesting because yeah. our last property was so wet that we, we had, needed those pine shavings. Yeah, it needed to absorb. To. Yeah, but this year I don't think we need it. Time and temperature and climate. Yeah. Um, and not everything's black and white. This is why beekeeper A, I'm in a different situation than you are. So when I'm telling you this is how we handle things, there's reasons why it might be different. Um, yeah, and there's it's really why important. Last to, year we did it one way. This year we're going to do it a different way. I find a lot of people are like, oh, this person, Tom Seeley does it like this, so we should do it like this. And there's so many variables that you want to look at. Including just like from how you started your bees in the springtime yeah. to where they're at now. So I got to make a bunch of shims. I, I make shims super easy way. I buy two by fours um, or one by, no, two by fours, which really are like an inch and a half thick um, by three inches thick and uh that i just seems you know it's confusing <laughs> well, yeah, isn't that annoying like what yeah when you buy lumber if, if it says two by four it's not actually two inches by four inches it's one and a half inches by three inches what? the wood starts out at two by four and then it starts to warp as it dries then they cut it down to size so they're cutting off the dried hmm. warpage um manufactured wood like uh plywood and stuff is always by actual size because there's not shrinkage so you know four foot by eight foot plywood isn't smaller yeah nobody likes shrinkage <laughs> uh seinfeld reference yeah <laughs> um we're almost through watching seinfeld are we i feel like we are there's not like that many seasons no there's a lot of seasons there's not that many seasons i don't know we'll find out we're getting close we started seinfeld a few months ago just like playing it in the background and it's i'm watching every it's episode up. it's so good um so yeah, I, I just do two by fours and it's like literally, I mean, it, what is a six, 16 by 20 is a, a 10 frame, 14 by 20 is a eight frame. So, you know, two 20 inch pieces of wood to like 11 or 13 inch pieces of wood. Boom. You got a nice easy shim and I put screening on the bottom of it. Um, I think we're all good. I have, I'm, we don't have enough inner covers. We use migratory lids for most of our hives now, so they don't have inner covers during the season. But we have enough from previous beekeeping where the, the hives that we need to feed, I can just use one of those. But if I don't, the way I make little quick makeshift inner covers is I just cut plywood to the size. Same thing, like 16 by 20, whatever size the box is. Um, I drill two circles, two holes in the plywood, which would be like where, you know, feeders can be set. Um, and then I just take uh, lathe. I buy 50 packs of lathe at Home Depot or at Lowe's. Uh, for pretty cheap it's like what 20 lathe? bucks lathe's like a, a quarter inch thick piece of wood it's like those little quarter inch thick pieces that are four oh, feet long right 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 so i just lay lathe across the top which makes it a little I, I just glue and quick staple it in um and that gives it a little bit of a lift so it's not just flat cardboard going right on top it has a little lift so the bees can can cross over um and that's just like an easy 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 inner cover so I got to do, I don't, I'm probably not going to do any of those, but I got some shims to make. Uh, I got to buy the insulation. I got to cut the insulation, you know, little things like that. So that's even before winter you got to do. Yeah. So like I'm, I was, I was saying to Kara last night, I'm like, man, now it's October. Like all this stuff that I know I need to do. It's like, I need to do it. And we won't put, we won't like really winter these hives probably until like November. We've like waited till December before. Cause it's just been warm. I don't want to. I don't want to wrap the hives. I don't want to put the insulation on. I don't want to do anything when there's still, it's still warm enough because you're going to create this excess moisture and at also, that point. And also we're in a drier place, so we don't have to be as concerned before. But it it's was a little like more, a, it's funny, yeah. now it's more open to the elements where it right. would. it's colder here 
than when they were in this insulated little valley. This so, reminds yeah. me of Sue Hubble's The Book of Bees. It's just such a beautiful book, but she has like the beekeepers winter, the beekeepers spring, summer, fall. And just she writes it so beautifully, but like everything she has to do at each season. And um, if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. What is it? Book of Bees. The Book of Bees Sue by Hubble. Sue Hubble. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's badass. Sue Hubble passed away. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was awesome. Um yeah, so I looked back, I dove down, I went down a rabbit hole of like tra- looking at trends in the hives. I looked back on all our notes this year. I looked back on 2021. I was trying to pick out what my favorite genetic lines are. So once I we hit our goal, I was like, "All right, let me dive into some stats here." So Importance yeah, I, of B notes. I dove into some stuff. Tell me. All right. Um So our top performing hive this year, without getting a fall flow, was it a Michael Palmer hive? Was a it was in fact a Michael Palmer hive. Shout out Michael Palmer uh, up in Vermont. We got his these genetic. This was actually the daughter of the original queen we got from him. Um, One hundred and forty one pounds of honey from our top producing hive, without what, what? without a fall harvest. So spring and a summer, we didn't do the third one on that one. 141. We should have like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Kara reaching across the table for the soundboard. You get bit doing that. Um, <laughs> so 141, that was so rad. That hive never got split. Yeah. Which that's like, that's the thing. So what happened was, uh, and again, I went into these B notes. I started reading about them. I'm like, I remember this. I remember this. So. It was, an, it was a, a queen cell, a swarm cell showed up in that hive in uh, early May. And for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? Let's just take that swarm cell and let's put it in a queen castle. So we took, ended up taking two frames of bees, um, an empty built out frame with the swarm cells, put that in a queen castle, um, put in blank frames in their place that they ended up just building out on their own. It was beautiful spring flow going on so they can build themselves. And then they never made more swarm cells. We gave them a little bit more space. That line's kind of known for not swarming, right? We've had really good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things to look for too. One of the, so our method of basically waiting for swarm cells to appear before splitting, the only real downside I find to that is you may be, breeding higher swarm tendencies Mm. into your genetic lines because you're relying on the swarm cells. Um, So that's like something that I want to think about for next year, big time. But um, so we never really split them. That was kind of like a little fake split where we took three frames. But the fact that they went for it and they'd never, not every hive's going to go for that. So a lot we've done this, we've done this a hundred, no, we've done this 20 times probably. And one million times. (laughs) And, uh, and most of the other times when you do that the next week, they're like, yo, talk, we're swarming, man, like back up off us. And they make another swarm cell or you miss a swarm cell in that circumstance. And then next thing you know, they swarm. So it's a dangerous game to play. Typically we take the queen, we leave the swarm cells or we leave two swarm cells, take the queen, move her to a new hive along with five or 10 of her frames of her, her sister or daughters and start whatever. That one was different, but look at that. Never split them. Did that biggest performer. Um, so like, what? all right, I was trying to think like, what are the trends? What can we learn from next year? So I'm like, all right, maybe next year, especially for anybody early, um, we do that. We take the swarm cells, we, put them in queen castles we get some queens going so then the next time when we want to split maybe we have queens ready rather than you know what i mean rather than what rather than the split that i just mentioned before where you're leaving cells gotcha you get the swarm cell queens yeah because their research is that they're better queens yeah they're more natural um yeah emergency queens being the worst in right some of the research Swarm cells being the best and uh, whatever. Anyway, um, talked about that plenty of times prior. Um, we averaged on any of the frame, any of the hives that we split early in the season. Um, we made them all build out their own frames. 
Again, we doubled our apiary, apiary this year. We didn't have just extra built-out frames left and right. So we had them build them out themselves. The hives that they had to build out most of the frames themselves, we averaged about 50 pounds of honey from them. So we were still able to get them to build and get a little bit of a honey crop. Again, they didn't build 100% of their frames each time. A lot of times we gave them like, all right, they built out the brood. We threw a super on that was already built out or maybe... We threw a built-out, you know, brood chamber, brood uh, box in there for them, but uh, but for the most part, they probably built, you know, twenty, thirty-ish frames which themselves. Which takes so much resources. Oh my god! And we still we got about fifty pounds from each of those, which is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> she reached across again. Um, <laughs> you're getting a little cocky okay. with this. Uh, all right, so who failed? I was looking at who failed. So I was looking at hives that overwintered and we didn't get honey from them. And all of them were, it was just, it was, it was queen, queen replacement issues. It was, they, uh, a virgin emerged. She never came home. And then we battled, we had to merge in somebody else, but it was all basically, they were, they were queenless for like three weeks or more. And then they were just, always, I think, always playing catch up. And then we hit July. It was a drought. We hit August. It was a drought. They never got a chance to have an abundance, bring in an abundance of resources. We didn't get any honey out of them. Um, I thought this was an interesting one. I was like, man, this was, a, this was a 2021 queen that gave us a good amount of honey last year. And then, uh, and then the, the replacement just didn't work out. And we got, we got nothing out of them. Oh, Remember we had a drone laying queen for yeah. the first time this yeah. year? We did a split. Queen goes. Looks like she gets mated. She comes back all fat and happy. We mark her. I'm feeling on top of the world. I go back two weeks later. All drones. She ruined like. Oh, she ruined the comb she too. She ruined like 15 frames of comb. Oh, man. Um, all these drones. They ended up not having a crazy mite population early, but then they had a really high one late. Which, you know, all those drone cells means those mites can procreate so much quicker than they can in a worker cell. And uh, and sure enough, it's nothing. Um, Wait, that just makes me think. Do you remember the the hive that's not doing well this year? Overwintered last year. But there was that weird... Going about the volunteer hive? Yeah, there was that weird comb thing, that weird winter cover yeah the, the that other beekeeper put and up that guy, we talked about it backwards. in another episode and th so the bees built all this drone comb first yeah there were so many drones in the hive that maybe also was why that yeah. that hive was unhealthy that we could did, have like, been like looking back on it we could have maybe done some type a little bit of a mite treatment i mean we culled all those all that drone comb but they hatched out. They emerged. A lot of oh, drones there emerged were so out. So many drones in that hive. So they were they were fighting disease, probably and fighting they, disease from the mite overload. And early they also in the season. had so many drones that they were eating resources. Yep. And the girls are working so hard. And so that's just interesting. It's every yeah. hive you got to look at it. And, every and that was also different. you know too many cooks in the kitchen. You know somebody else. Fortunately, you know our situation last year, we weren't able to go volunteer because we're handling our own business. And then, you know, somebody else does something in highs we're not used to. We spring shows up and we're like, what? The? And then we're taking over and he's like, Oh, I should have taken that off. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks guy. Um, we ha only had two hives swarm. So two out of 30. Mean, wow. And we caught one of the swarms. So we only lost one swarm and the hive that swarmed that we didn't catch. Zero pounds, honey. Hmm. Don't lose swarms, people. <laughs> you lose a swarm, they're going to have to use all these resources. You're losing all these bees. You're losing all these foragers. When you lose a swarm. Wow, that's really interesting. You're losing honey. So, yeah. And I was, hey, pat on the back. <laughs> that was me this time. Uh, pat on the back. We did not have swarm issues. We were on it. We yeah, were we were really on it in the uh, spring. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Like really, it literally every beehive that I was like, huh, this is a low number. Looked into it. There were some reasons. type of queen problem, some type of just, you know, whether it's just two or three weeks, but in those two or three weeks in the heart of the season, okay, you don't have a queen for 20 days that you typically would have. 
when it, when you're in a flow, what is 20 by times like 1500, 40, 30,000 bees, 30,000 bees would have been born that weren't give or take that weren't in that period. I mean, that's 30,000 bees that would eventually become foragers that you're not, you can't just, you don't get them back. That's wild. That's time for you. Yeah. Time is an ingredient. So, and I think the most important thing is, is that you just like with these notes, you can look back, you can learn some things. It's just, what can you take from it? What can you observe? Um, remember, remember coming out of last year, like we were looking at it in spring, we made notes like, man, this hive is booming, man, this hive is booming. And we went back and the hives that we said were the two best were also the two best queen genetic lines the previous year that I had notes that said, these are the best. Right. And doing your own queen cell program and growing your own good genetics. Yeah. So winter time we've got, we're, you know, we're looking to double again. So we got to, we got to build a lot of boxes. We got to paint a lot of boxes. We got to you know, we got to build up our, our own resources. So when we're, when we come out of winter and these hives survive and we know we're going to split, we've got woodenware ready. Um, so Cause the last thing you want to do is you have to beekeep and beekeep and build yeah, or which, and guess buy. What? And did a lot of that this year. Yeah. Was fortunate that we were able to do it and make time for it, but it was stressful. And there were times I had to make decisions cause I didn't have something and I, it wasn't, option a i had to go with option b or c well and that's the volunteer hives that's a lot of what i have to do like yeah. i don't even have enough frames what am i gonna do there's not boxes like yeah um, so winter prep is important yeah we were you know i liked that we went and we bought like twice as much um twice as many jars this past year like we basically went you know what let's buy enough so we don't have to worry about it for next year and we loaded up so we've got you know a lot of the things that in previous years, we've previous years we've been like, yo, we're harvesting. Shit, we don't have jars. And all of a sudden, I got to do an hour, hour and a half trip to Lancaster and pick up, you know, pick up jars, and it's a whole thing, or they're out of stock, or you can't find lids. Especially now, it's hard to find. stuff. We got ahead of the game on that. Um, we bought a lot more buckets. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I hate we have all these buckets. I hate that we have to use plastic for buckets. It drives me just nuts there's there's no other options i mean we have a couple folks that buy gallons at a time from us one gallon at a time from us um and i literally gave those folks one gallon glass jars and then i do all the replacement in a one gallon bucket that they give back to us which is nice so they're getting reused um i'm gonna flat up i'm gonna be a little bit of an asshole if you're if you're putting your your honey in plastic jars. I've I I bait, I immediately lose respect for you. I don't think there's any excuse. Anybody, I don't think there's a single excuse for putting honey unless you're some giant commercial operation, which I probably would have an issue with how you're beekeeping to begin with. But I, there's just no excuse to put honey in plastic. You you're, know why you're people tied say in with nature. You see, you see the effects of just. The bullshit we deal with with these hurricanes. I mean, you're seeing the effects directly with your hives. If you're not, you're not paying attention. You're seeing the the driest July of all time. Maybe be a little more natural. Maybe don't use plastic. It's not that cheap. It's not that much cheaper. People want the to squeeze out their honey is the reason I've heard. And guess what? Honey crystallizes. You're going to put a plastic jar yeah, in hot water point. to decrystallize your honey? Yeah, that's a real smart idea. Beekeepers, come on. Use glass jars. Use metal lids. Stop using plastic. It's 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 just absolutely ridiculous. It's like I don't trust your beekeeping judgment. I don't try you know, we keep our bees organically blah 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 blah. What do you what else are you doing that's just like fuck you to the environment i it stop it it's uh, I, I, i'll pedestal it a bit but it's mm, really bothers me i get it and i, I don't see know beekeepers if... that i'm like oh i trust that person they're they're a good beekeeper you use plastic jars like come on what you don't recycle is it too difficult for you to recycle too well like, the thing about what else recycling are you doing in life? is like give me a break the thing about using plastic jars and people are like they can recycle them is recycling doesn't really work recycling is a very faulty system overall it's not do we recycle it's we need to cut our plastic usage vastly 
I used to watch the trash guy take the recycling and the trash and throw it in the same right. tra- trash. Yeah. Just that it wasn't a recycling truck coming right. by. He was throwing it all in the trash because where we lived before, they didn't know what to do with their recycling. So they just threw it in a landfill. Well, nine. So I don't know when recycling started, but since that point, only 9% of the world's trash, I mean, world's recycling is recycled. 9% since nine. the beginning. Nine. So it's not about recycling. It's about stop using plastics. Uh, so come on, people. You're better than this. Come on, people. Come on. Come on, man. Um, on some positive notes, I, I, I not only looked back and realized we hit our, our goal on growth and on honey production, um, but we brought in... And we have some really rad partners. And I, I've been really happy. We have that awesome partners. They're so cool. Um, and not only like are they awesome in the fact that they're buying our product, because guess what? Like, What's the point of doing all this if you're not at least going to sell it? Um, but they also like help promote us. And they help promote Carajo Skincare and Carajo Bee Farm and Mind Your Hives. But, I mean, I'm in beer, so we've partnered up a lot on the alcohol side. But just like a really special shout out. Hidden River Brewing Company, you guys have used our our honey in a bunch of beers this year, and they're all really interesting. And it's they're all I love the talking to Kevin about it. I love why he's doing it. We've said no to some breweries that want to use our honey that their beer sucks, and I didn't like what they wanted to use it for. And I said, yeah, just buy honey from somebody else. We don't have an infinite amount to go around. Um. And then these folks have bought it and just knowing what they're doing with it and just trusting their process has been really awesome. But Hidden River has been so rad. Second District, I mean, using it in beers, using it in their in their uh, restaurant and just like seeing that and just they're uh, so, so rad. Farsta, Maine, always. We actually have a couple beers with our honey going right now. Cool. Um, that I'm super excited about that we've done before. Referend, we always talk about new distillery in Pennsylvania here called Widow's Peak. Um, Mike Landers on that B-side mixologist episode we had. We talked a lot about honey simple syrup and, you know, the the spots that are making the cocktails and they're doing it the right way. They're not using sugar simple. They're using honey simple and seeing a distillery use honey simple. So cool. Um Really cool partner, Sorrentino. Pasta Sorrentino and yeah, Ambler's the best. Pasta, pasta and provision spot in Ambler, Pennsylvania. Using our honey, helping promote us. Like, really cool partnership. Aloha Smoothie. Aloha Smoothie. And Ambler, they use um, biodegradable stuff. I like their bowls and stuff. They're yeah. No, they don't, yeah, they're good. They don't do, they don't really care to promote us in any way, but um at least they're using good product and they care about their ingredients when i go and like deliver the honey i see the stuff they're using and i'm like i their ingredients are very trustworthy and they're not just like cisco trucks ain't rolling up dropping off bullshit produce they're like getting expensive really higher end produce so like shout out to those ladies for sure um i have a bond place beer that i want to crack that we brought back from bond place but bond place might be a new uh we might be we might be putting some bees up on a top of a brewery next year in, in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yeah, that's cool. Might dabble with our rooftop beekeeping. Sweet, you better so. get an umbrella or something because you're going to be baking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, this yeah, that just really great people. I'm sure I'm missing some folks, but those were really rad partners that that helped us immensely and spread the word we just we love them and dave's backyard farm oh dave's backyard farm both locations elkins park and huntington valley he's the best local organic if you're in the area you should definitely go check him out he's got all kinds of good stuff carajo skincare and bee farm um go to carajo skincare.com carajo care with a k joe j-o so carajo skincare.com um the seasons just changed when seasons change we got new stuff coming out people so yeah i mean we just talked about the loofah soap yeah and cinnamon, the cinnamon honey, honey soap but like new products and stuff so check it out there's but seasons change your skincare needs to change it's t- gonna turn into the dry season you know we heat our house with wood here so like man it is moisture season because just that fire sucks all the moisture out of the air um a lot of people skin cracks we have a killer hands have we are in the middle of 
doing we have a rejuvenating facial serum we're in the middle of doing a rejuvenating facial balm like restore and protect balm and we're beeswax and propolis we're using the propolis that is literally being rendered behind me as we speak um so check out care and i appreciate all the people that have checked it out yeah we love you guys so many folks that you've placed orders so if you have gotten this far you are a rock star thank you thank you thank you so much we hope you enjoyed hit us with questions um, shout out to a lot of our new listeners, John, <laughs> Brett, Brett's been hitting me up with all kinds of stuff. Um, I love new listeners. They, a lot of times people will be like, I'm catching up on your episodes and they start asking questions and I'm like, oh shit, did I say that back when we started? <laughs> like, what, like wrong stuff? No, 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 no. Just they are like asking random things and I'm like, I don't even remember talking about that. Uh, but it's really fun interacting with everybody. So thank you all so much. Till next time. Bye. Peace.